Thanks for joining us on Fresh Faith. We're excited to bring you a special season of the podcast. Ron and former Pittsburgh Steeler Tunch Ogan have worked alongside one another for years. You may remember Tunch on some previous episodes of the podcast. A while back, they teamed up to do a special series on the Journey Radio called Biblical Manhood. This series has been one of the most well-received series, and so we knew we just had to bring it to you on the podcast. We have Ron Moore and Tunch Ilkin on the podcast today, continuing through our series of biblical manhood. They're going to talk about today what is one of the temptations faced by men that their wives don't even often understand, and what steps can a man take to resist and even avoid such a temptation. Ron and Tunch offer wives understanding for the real issues men face and how men can deal with them in very practical ways. Thanks for joining us on the journey. We're involved in a special series addressing the real issues of real men. And with me during this series is Tunch Oaken, the pastor of men's ministry at the Bible Chapel in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Tunch is a former all-pro offensive lineman with 14 years in the NFL. And now Tunch is a color analyst with the Pittsburgh Steeler broadcasting team. You know, wherever you go, whatever city you're listening, there is a group of cool Christians. <laughs> you know who they are. They speak at different churches. They're just cool Christians. And if you know these people, you drop their name in certain things. Well, those Christians, everyone wants to hang out with. And in Pittsburgh, Tunch Ilkin is the president of the cool Christian Guy Club, an exclusive club uh, to which you, I'm not invited. All I know is that you're the one that travels in those cool Christian guy circles. You're the one that is Nashville at the author's convention. And might I add, when we stopped at the rest stop in Breezewood, we were going to the yeah. March for Life. A guy comes up to me and says, Tunch, what are you doing here? So I'm going, he goes, what church are you with? And I said, the Bible chapter. He goes, do you know Ron Moore? And I said, not only do I know him, I'm here with him. Would you like your picture taken with him? He goes, could you arrange that? And I did. So in our last broadcast, we <laughs> talked about the lies that you just keep embellishing. There's uh, one right there. I mean, you know what? I can't even improve on that. That is told gospel, and that was the funniest Christian cool guy moments I have ever been part of. Well, Tunch, today we're going to talk about a topic that every man struggles with. We've talked about a man and his God, a man and his marriage, a man and his integrity, a man and his family. Today we're going to talk about a man and his temptation, and specifically the temptation of lust. Mm-hmm. I want to read a quote from J. Allen Peterson. He has this great book. It's an older book. It's called The Myth of the Greener Grass. Let me read this, and I want to hear what you think about it. Peterson says this, Temptation knows no stranger. Everyone is tempted and always will be. No one can evade it or avoid it. If a man is alive, he is tempted. If you have a mind through which you think, you'll be tempted through that mind. If you have a body in which you live, you'll be tempted through that body. If you have a social nature by which you enjoy other people, that will be the avenue of temptations. If you're a sexual being, you'll have sexual temptation. Temptation knows no stranger. What do you think about that? You know, it's dead on. It is dead on, dead on, dead on, and I believe that temptation does not leave you till the moment you leave this earth. I don't care how old you are, and it's kind of funny because when you're a younger man, and I no longer am, but when you're a younger man, you tend to think 
that sexual temptation leaves you as you get older. You have this image that once you're in your 50s or 60s or 70s or whatever, that lustful temptation is gone. And a friend of mine, one time I asked him, so do you ever get over that? He started laughing. And he told me the story of the young seminary student and the older seminary professor walking across campus. And the younger guy says to the older guy, so at what point do you stop lusting after women? At what point does that temptation leave you? And the old seminary prof who was well into his 80s said, let me know when you get there. So it doesn't end. And it's part of this fallen world that we live in. And it's something that we're going to be hit with till we get there. So I know you never suffer from that. So let me know what that's like. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, I will. I will. When, when I get there. When you get there. <laughs> you know, we've been addressing real issues for real men. And today, this temptation of lust is what we want to address. If you live in the world, you're going to be surrounded by sexual temptation. And we want to be clear that the temptation of lust is not something new, no. by the way. In fact, Job, one of the oldest books of the Bible, Job said this, Job 31.1, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. So Job didn't have commercials. Right. He didn't have revealing styles right. going on. He didn't have magazines or billboards or television or computers. And he still had this temptation of lust. So it's not from out there, it's from within our hearts. And Ron, I think the other thing that's really interesting about Job's covenant with his eyes is that Job was someone that God held up. And remember when the angels were coming before the Lord, God said to Satan, he goes, have you considered my servant Job? There's nobody like this guy. There's none like upright him. Upright man who Up, does no wrong. No, nobody <laughs> like him. And then so we see that did Job have that issue too? And yeah, it's his oldest time. I think that's very insightful that you brought that up because I don't care how spiritually mature you are. I don't care how old you are. The fact is that we are bombarded not only with the temptation, but as you point out, it comes from inside. The human nature is to see a woman, and especially if she is dressed in a way that is provocative, and to all of a sudden be pulled into that temptation. And even if you didn't have pornography, even if you didn't have the SI swimsuit issue, your brain still goes to those things that you have seen in the past. In our last show, we were talking about how the one time that we changed our cable and a premium channel showed up and there was pornography on and how it shocked me and I hadn't seen porn in a long time. And one of the things that I used to tell my guys in my huddle even prior to that, I said, look, I haven't looked at porn in a long, long, long time, but that doesn't matter because my brain can go back to an image that I saw years ago and I can play the pornography over in my brain because your brain has a point of reference and it can take you right back. And obviously the more you protect yourself, the better it is. So I'm not saying don't protect yourself, but it just goes to show you that the human condition goes there when it wants to. I can't remember things I did yesterday, but uh, there are images in my mind from 30 years ago right. that, as you say, they're almost trapped in there and they can come back. Now, Tunch, before we get into this, there are some women listening and they think, what in the world are they talking about? I can't believe it. Those guys are just strange, right. and that's true. We are, yeah. <laughs> but not because of this issue. <laughs> not because of this issue. Right. But my husband doesn't struggle with this. I mean, this is an area that... I can't even imagine that he would struggle with this. What would you say to that woman? I would say that, I was going to say, wake up and smell the coffee, but that would be too blunt. Look, there's a book called Every Man's Battle. 
And I've taught through it. You've taught through it. I've read it several times. And I had a friend of mine whose wife, when he was going through that study with me, his wife walked into the den and looked at the book, looked at the title, picked it up and said to him, you don't struggle with this, do you? And he said, what about the title, Don't You Understand? <laughs> of course yeah. I do. Look, if a man after God's own heart struggled with sexual temptation, David, that is a classic example that this is every man's battle. So we're encouraging women, not trying to be insensitive at all, but we're trying to say, be a student of your husband. Right. This is not from culture. This is the way a man is wired. Right. Temptation is not a sin. Right. It's giving into it. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but you need to know what your husband is struggling with right. because you need to know how to pray for your husband and you need to know how to encourage your husband. So be a student of your husband. Mm -hmm. Jesus addresses the subject head on. And let's use what he says in Sermon on the Mount right. as kind of a framework of what we want to talk about today. Jesus said, you've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. So yeah. we got that. Yeah. But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Mm -hmm. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Now, we'll talk a little bit about Jesus isn't saying cut off your arm or gouge out your eye, but there's some practical application there. But let's think about that word lust. The word means to desire, to long for something, to crave something. Mm -hmm. Back to Job. Job calls it in Job 31, 9 through 12, a fire that consumes. And we know that it burns quickly and fiercely, and it scorches and can destroy everyone around it. But some guys are listening, and they're saying, yeah, 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 but I'm just looking, man. It doesn't hurt to look. I'm not touching anyone. It's like window shopping. I'm not buying it. I'm just looking. It doesn't hurt just to look. Well, that's not true. That's one of those lies from the pit of hell. Yeah. It does hurt to look. And once you have that covetedness in your heart, so you start playing these scenarios out in your brain. If I am looking after a woman and I am longing for her and I start entertaining these thoughts, well, it's not a reach to say that if I entertain these thoughts and I play with these fantasies in my brain or I engage in pornography or even if I'm watching certain TV shows that put me in this spot or I'm looking at that woman, maybe that woman at work and I long for her, you know, I hate to use this metaphor, but it is a slippery slope. Yeah. I was teaching through Every Man's Battle on Wednesday night this one year and one of my guys came up to me and said, oh, come on, Tunch, aren't you being a little too zealous by saying you shouldn't look at any women. And I said, no, I don't think so. Did you read what it said? Arterburn talks about that if you're looking at a woman and you are longing for her, number one, you are setting yourself up for a possible action. But even if you don't act, it's just a fantasy. Number one, you're stealing from her because you look at her. Number two, you're stealing from your own wife. And so this is pulling your attention away. And he said, well, what's the difference me admiring a beautiful woman and admiring a beautiful car. And I said, easy, you can't have sex with a car. <laughs> and, and it was kind of funny. Did he ever get it? He kind of went, oh, because when I first explained <laughs> it how. Because that is a true statement. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> he struggled with me talking about the effect it has on your marriage, with the effect it has on your own brain and the way you look at things. But he had no struggle in going, 
Well, yeah, he's right. You can't have sex with a car. <laughs> but here's one of the other things that Arterburn says in Every Man's Battle, which I found fascinating. He said, the more you entertain fantasy, the more you look at pornography, the more you look at women, there is this image of perfection or there is this fantasy that is not real. And it steals from the way you look at your bride. And Arterburn says a, a very, very cool thing. He says that if you have eyes only for your wife, God will honor that, and he will give you eyes only for your wife. So when I hear Jesus saying, gouge your eye out, I think what he's saying is have eyes only for your mm -hmm. own wife. Calvin said, let him who does not touch a woman flatter himself, while in the meantime his heart inwardly burns with lust. Mm -hmm. So yeah. don't flatter yourself if you're just looking, while inwardly your heart is burning with lust. Now, in addressing the issue, Jesus says, okay, there are two parts to this, eyes and hands. This is our frame to deal with the issue. Again, Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully at a young woman. So how does a man make a covenant with his eyes? What are some things that we practically do? It's a temptation for me. It's a temptation for you. It's a temptation for Every man listening. The women listening need to know that. need to accept it. That's a temptation. So we need to do some practical things. What can we do so that temptation doesn't become full-blown sin? You know, one of the first things that's talked about in every man's battle is to bounce your eyes. And I think one of the ways that we make a covenant with our eyes is using Scripture to battle temptation. We always talk about how when Satan came to tempt Jesus, Jesus always returned with the Word of God. And so instead of saying, don't look, don't look, don't look, I'm also using the power of the Word of God to say, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look upon a woman with lust. When I am reciting that scripture and I'm meditating on that scripture, I know that it's more than just, oh, touch, don't look. There's got to be an action point. So I got to look away. And when I look away, number one, I need to celebrate that victory, especially if you're a guy. I mean, let's face it, growing up, before I was a believer, if someone would have said, oh, don't look at that woman, I'd go, are you crazy? When you're living in the darkness, you're programmed to look at women. You're programmed to look at pornography. You grow up with all these things happening. So now you go through this transformation by the renewing of your mind. You're thinking differently about women. Now when you look at that woman, you know, I always say, think your daughter. Think that is someone's daughter. That is going to be somebody's wife. So I need to understand that I no longer can look at a woman as an object, I have to look at her as someone who is fearfully and wonderfully made by God, but also somebody's precious daughter. How would you feel about someone looking at your daughter that way? So we need to humanize what it is we're looking at. So Auburn has this great thing, bouncing your eyes. Mm -hmm. So you look, the old Martin Luther quote, you can't keep a bird from flying right, over sure. your head, but you can keep it from building a nest in your hair. Right. If you're alive, you're going to see things you shouldn't see, right. but that's not the lustful part. It's going the second time and locking onto that person and certain parts of that person. Yeah, and then the fantasy that follows, what you do with that thought. And so this is all over the place. I'll never forget, Tunch, years ago on a Saturday morning. I remember that. I was teaching through Every Man's Battle, right. and you were in there, and the author talks about the Sunday paper with right, some right. things on there you shouldn't see, and figure skaters, right. and you said, Oh my gosh, I can't watch figure skating anymore. <laughs>
Well, you know, it's really funny. And I think one of the interesting things is that there's a lot of things that maybe our wives don't understand. Dancing with Stars was really big. And I remember when Dancing you with... You were going to... They asked you to be on Oh, that. yeah, I was... No way. I'm, yeah, no, no. That was a local Dancing with Stars. No, no, I ain't dancing with nobody. And I remember the first time that show was on, and I watched it. This was about a year and a half ago. Sharon was still with us. And I remember I said, I can't watch this. This is very provocative. And it was kind of funny. She said, really? And I said, yeah. And I said, well, I don't want to watch this. And so the only time I ever watched it was when Heinz Ward was on. Yeah. Uh, and, and I only did he that. He won the thing. Yeah, he won the thing. But I remember I was thinking about myself. Not only do I not want to watch that, but what about the guys that are married that are dancing that way? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I'm not watching figure skating. Uh, I don't like figure skating anyways, to be honest with you. <laughs> so bouncing eyes, making adjustments, obviously, on what we watch. Uh-huh. Maybe you're at a workplace. Yeah. You sit a certain way, and there's a person sitting right across from you, and you are tempted. Again, the temptation is going to be there. Mm-hmm. So you need to do some things. You need to turn your desk. You yeah. need to put up a petition. You need to do something. Right. You've got to do something. You're at school. Again, temptations are there. Movies you go to. Oh, I mean, yeah. These are just practical things. Yeah. Television, we've talked about that. Traveling. Yeah. Now, you traveled a lot. Right, right. And the guys you work with travel a right. lot. What are some practical tips for guys who travel regarding this area? Well, one of the things that Wolf and I do, Craig Wolfley and I, who were roommates for 10 years on the road and in training camp when I was Steelers, we're now part of the Steelers radio broadcast on road trips. We room together. You can't get in trouble with a roomie. You're not going to turn with the right, on. With the right roomie. That, with the right roomie, that's <laughs> right. That's a good point Good point by you. And then when my buddy Leo Wisniewski and I, we had this company, we were doing these instructional coaching videos, and we traveled around the country doing interviews with NFL head coaches, assistant coaches. We did these clinics, and every time we went on a road, we roomed together. And I think there's a great protection in that. The other question is, you know, I remember that I went and did a football clinic in Omaha, Nebraska, for high school kids, and you know what? It was kind of funny because I left the day that I preached on a Sunday, and I remember the old adage, after a spiritual high, if you will, that preaching can produce in you, there's always a temptation. And I remember they were putting me at the hotel in a casino, and I didn't know until I looked at my itinerary, and I called the guys in my huddle, and I said, guys, call me tonight to make sure I don't walk into the casino because there is temptation there. And so you got to be honest with your buddies and say, this is a potential place that I may fall. And so, you know, protect me, fellas. Start praying. So you said something critical there. You knew you were going to that place. Mm -hmm. And so you called your buddies and your huddle group as you were going. Right. Some guys say, yeah, I can handle it. But when we get in the heat of the temptation, often it's too late. Well, I'm too afraid of what I'm capable of. And so I know that I need protection. You know, I want my guys to know this is where I'm going. This is where I feel danger. And I need to protect myself. Without those guys, you know, I have no protection. And so I think the worst thing you could say is I can handle this because I I just look at the scriptures and I see there are guys that did not handle it. And those are guys that are found in God's word. And if they haven't handled it, what makes me think I can? If David couldn't handle it, what makes me think that I could handle it? So, you know, I'm very aware of the human condition. And I almost think that sometimes some guys will say, I'm okay in this area. But I don't know that anybody's okay in this area. There's just nobody that I think that is capable. So don't lack humility. Don't be too proud 
tell the fellas, tell them, hey, guys, start praying. I'm going on the road. Some old writer said the seed of every sin is planted in our heart. There is no sin we can't commit. Right. And we have to be careful. Second Peter 2.14, Peter is describing the wicked man. Right. And the old Phillips translation says, Their eyes cannot look at a woman without lust, and they miss no opportunity to sin. Mm. Now, a believer is not in the class of the wicked. At the same time, a believer can mm -hmm. demonstrate some wicked and sinful characteristics. Right. And if a believer is looking at a woman with lust, missing no opportunity to sin, they're demonstrating wicked characteristics. They're redeemed and demonstrating wicked characteristics. Yeah, and make no mistake about it, there is no man that is exempt from even that, that you get in a position, if you are not careful, your mind, your eyes, your heart can, can go. You know, I've just seen too many men over the years who have fallen in that, and I think if guys really knew, and I think sometimes when a guy says, oh, I can never do that, I don't think they really understand that until you get caught in that temptation, how quickly you can get sucked into it. Mike Choby, our old buddy, you know, wrote a song that said, you don't see the pit until you fall in it. <laughs> and, and that is so true about this lustful, the eyes and the mind and the heart, the way it goes in that area if we allow it. So Jesus says, if your eye is leading you into sin, take it out. And again, he's not saying take right. out your eye literally, but take out the things in your life that's causing you to fall. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. Again, don't cut it off, but practically do the things you need to do properly with your hands. So let's talk about that. What's it mean to make a covenant with your hand? You know, I think that, look, we need to make sure we understand where the areas are. Okay, let's just take a practical situation Say you're at work and there's a woman that is very attractive and maybe she's not shy about the way she dresses. And so you see her at the coffee machine. If you go to the coffee machine while she's there, well, that's using your feet, but cut those feet off. You don't want to walk to that area. And then, you know, there's just putting yourself in a position. So, uh, so, so the motive. Yeah. We know the motive is right. wrong. So right. part of cutting off our hand or right. cutting off our feet, we uh, know our motive. And that's right. got to be a warning, man. Right. Just stop. Yeah. Turn back. Yeah. I think where a lot of guys get in trouble, too, is if you're on the road and you're in business and you're entertaining clients and a client says, I want to go to this bar, and you know that's a pickup spot. Or a client says, I want to go to a strip joint. There's this part of you that knows you can't go into the strip joint. Uh, you got to be able to say, I am not going to go. I can tell you the last time I was at a strip joint. I was at a golf tournament about 20 years ago, and we went out to dinner with all these guys. I was out of town. I was with these guys that I was at the Pro Bowl with, and one of the guys had an off-season golf tournament, so I was invited to it, so I went. It was a great time. The next thing you know, we ended up in a strip joint. And I remember walking out of that strip joint, and I was really racked with guilt. I had this horrible, horrible guilt when I did that. And what happened to me was I wasn't prepared for that temptation. I wasn't prepared to stand up and say, no, I can't go in there. So I went in. And when I walked out of there, I just had this guilt, and I just said, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry. And I just folded up like a cheap card table. But what it did was it showed me where I had failed. And the way the Lord works in our lives, not six months later, one of my really good buddies got married. 
and I was in Chicago. Went to that. So the night of the bachelor party, we had a great time. Went out to dinner. We were in Chicago, and the guys said we're going to a strip joint. So now this time I was prepared, mm -hmm. and I was going. You guys go. I'm gonna be hanging out at this place across the street. Hockey game's on. Come get me when you're done. And it was because now I was prepared. So I didn't walk in there. It was once again, I didn't want to cut my feet off. So, uh, but in essence, I did. And what was really cool about it was one of my good buddies said, you know, I'm going to agree with Tunch. I ain't going into that strip joint. And I walked in. And I'm not saying good job by me. That, that, that's not what I'm saying. I'm, but I'm saying but that I knew that I wasn't going to go into another strip joint. And so I was prepared because it had happened once and I saw the way I felt and I was going to make sure that I was not going to put myself in that position again. And so that's a great example of taking out your eye or cutting off your hand that you said again, not literally. Sometimes it means to cut off some friend. Right. Cut off an event from right. your life. Cut out some situations from your life. And just make sure you don't put yourself in a place mm -hmm. where temptation is going to burn mm -hmm. to the point where it turns into sin. And I think touch in the church too, you know, we talk about work and those things. In the church, we've got to be careful because we love each other. Right. We're worshiping together. Yeah. We're serving together. Right. And sometimes things can get too familiar. Right. And we've got to build those guards up in the church mm -hmm. with our eyes and with our hands right. in order to really do what God's calling us to do. Right. Like when I hug you, is that uncomfortable for you? <laughs> I'm, please never, <laughs> never do that again. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. And we've got to be aware of appropriate and inappropriate touching. And sometimes even just what may seem appropriate may be misconstrued. And I think that is a great point. And that's why I'm sure the guys, but we've got to really make sure we keep boundaries when it comes to members of the opposite sex. So us to something as men, we're wired in that area of temptation. Yeah. We have to make sure that area of temptation doesn't become a sin. We're going to fall in that area sometimes. We're going to talk about forgiveness and restoration in another broadcast. But just to leave you with this verse, 1 John 2, 16, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. And there's a lot of stuff out there yeah. that can easily trip us up. Tunch, why don't you just close this by praying for guys traveling throughout the country. They're struggling with this area. We're going to talk about some addictions and pornography in another broadcast, but this is not a temptation anymore, man. Right. This is a full-blown sin. Right. Pray for them, and pray for the wives and women out there listening. Again, that they'll be the students of their husbands, and sometimes they feel like, well, if my husband really feels like he's betraying me, right. they're not betraying their wives. They're wired in a way that this is a temptation, so we have to be realistic. Right. We are not adequate for the job. Right. We have to seek God's help and surround ourselves with people who are going to help us. So pray for the guys going through some challenging times today. Father God, we are just so thankful for your love and your mercy in our life and the grace that you extend to us even when we don't deserve it. Lord, I just pray for all of us as men, Lord, that you would keep our hearts pure, that you would cause us purity, Lord, that you would cause us to truly make a covenant with our eyes to not look upon a woman with lust in our hearts. Lord, we pray that you would cause our minds to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Lord, we pray for the men where they are walking into situations that they know there are temptations. Lord, I pray that they would just turn around and run the other way. Protect those guys. Protect them in what they see. Protect them where they go. Keep them out of places that they could get in trouble, Lord. Cause them to walk into their hotel rooms and call down to the 
desk and say, turn off all the premium channels on my television, Lord. And I pray for the wives that are listening, Lord, that they would understand how their husbands are wired, Lord, and they would be sensitive to what they're going through, Lord, and act accordingly, Lord, and that they wouldn't be naive and they wouldn't be upset with their husbands, not because of the sin, but because they are just wired the way they are, Lord, and so that they too can pray for their husbands in this vein, Lord. So we know that we leave it all at the throne of grace, Lord, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to thank you for joining us on the journey and join us next time. We're going to continue this discussion, real issues for real men, the anatomy of an affair. And uh, we're going to see what God has to say about this area of sexual temptation. Mm -hmm.